This is At Risk Radio. Welcome to At Risk Radio. At Risk Radio is a show where we talk about leadership in the church at risk. My name is Mark Stafford, and I'm the host of the show. I'm here with David Witt. He's the CEO of SOM International. And with Frank Parrish, he's the director of World Map. That stands for Missionary Assistance Plan. Now, uh, David, you have recently written a book about what's happening in India. And I think that we can say it's nothing short of a revival that's breaking out in India right now. We're seeing thousands of people come to faith. We're seeing a, 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 this like surge of Christian leaders being trained up, of people making professions of faith, of new churches getting started. Tell us what's going on in India right now and the exciting thing that the Lord is doing. Well, I, I want to keep it short here because I want Frank to jump on here because Frank's now a witness and to validate just what God is doing because Frank and I just got back. And also, if People don't realize, if you didn't listen last week, this is the second podcast follow-up. This is part two. Yeah, part two. So I want to encourage people to get the context of part one, so they'll appreciate more where we're going. And we ended part one with Frank really getting into revivals and the the book of Acts. And and, you know, Frank has his doctorate degree, has lots of studies, and one of his passions and studies is revivals. And that's why I wanted to keep him on for this episode. Frank, while we were there, you shared what you saw in just the revivals and, and what was happening in India. And I want you to, let's want you start out what you felt from your studies of revivals, what you see happening with our network there. And then I'd like to, let's get into talking about the marks of revivals and, and, mm-hmm. and how we can pray for that and what that looks like. Sure. Seeing these brothers and sisters so committed to Christ uh, was, on the one hand, uh, I'll be honest and say it was almost embarrassing mm. to see how incredibly committed they are, how little they have, mm-hmm. but how committed they are. And on the other hand, it was deeply inspiring. Mm-hmm. I thought, if they can do it, anybody can do it. And I loved what I saw. I'm absolutely thrilled about what's happening there in India through. Uh, the Ministry of Spirit of Martyrdom, and partnering with uh, the church uh, planting schools. I believe that it is God's chosen instrument in these days to not only reach India, but I think even further, I, I want to know more about the ministry so that I can see how much of this can be repeatable. How, how can we plant this same kind of pattern in other places Mm. that so desperately need the revival power of God, the spirit of God moving in salvations and and deliverances and healings and uh, commitment to Christ. And I do believe that the schooling and the sending out the whole process that they're using is very, very, very on target. That's the best way I can say it's on target with the pattern that God has set Mm-hmm. in the scriptures for how he wants to reach the world. Yeah, Frank, yeah. you mentioned four, in your studies, you really feel like there's four major marks of revival. Mm-hmm. And uh, talk about that. What are those four major marks of revival? Well, I think whenever you discuss uh, revival, you, you do have to understand that revival is God's in charge of it. We're not in charge of revival. Amen. But I think what God does in his sovereignty is he looks for people who are starting to function or move in a particular direction and who are seeking God uh, profoundly. And I do know this for absolute certainty that God always responds to hunger for him. 
where people want him, not just what he does, but they want him. Mm. God responds to that, whether you're an individual or a movement in a nation or a national church, it doesn't matter what the size is from an individual to a, a group, God responds to hunger for him. So that is always a, a, a priority really for all of life. But in terms of revival and studying revival, there are some marks that I think that, that come through in historic revivals that I think are really, really important. I think first of all, the first one is prayer. And I know that's just so incredibly obvious. We go, oh yeah, 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 sure. But if we're not praying, God's not moving. Mm. Uh, without God, we can do nothing. But without us, God's not going to move. And the way that we can partner with God in what he wants to do in the world, which is to reach every single person with the gospel of Jesus Christ, is through, first of all, through prayer. Prayer is a primary mm. focus. When you study the history of revivals, it has always been preceded by intense, prolonged prayer and fasting and seeking of God. But that prayer is, is a key thing. You know, I think, I think Frank, too, it's true in our own lives. You know, you think about even the, the little revivals we have through our own lives and daily. Prayer, prayer is key. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so go, yeah, go yeah. number two. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely the truth. Personal revival. And I think sometimes that uh, large revival probably won't ever happen without personal revival. Yeah, amen. And I, I think that's a critical key. Well, one of the other things that you see in revival, marking historic revivals, is repentance. People repented. They repented. They were clearly convicted of sin. It wasn't, hey, God, I want to do over, so please make my life nice because I've made a mess out of the first one. No, that's not it. They would truly repent of sin. And repentance, you know, it's kind of a word that's out of vogue here in churches in the West. But repentance simply means to turn, Mm -hmm. to turn away from serving yourself and turning to God at the same time. It's very simple, yet it's very necessary. And when you read the scriptures over and over and over again, repentance is such a key focal point of God responding to a person's needs. The, The third thing is holiness. And again, that's something that's a little out of vogue in some areas of the church, but holiness is a critical issue. And our God is a holy God. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. There's only a few places in Scripture where the Scripture repeats itself in terms of a characteristic of God, and that's one of them from Isaiah chapter 6. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Hebrews tells us that without holiness, no one will see God. So holiness is, is not an issue of a legalistic approach to, I can't do this, I can't do that. That is holiness from the outside, and that's the law. And really, when you read Romans 7, it's pretty clear that the law will not make anyone truly holy. The kind of holiness that God's looking for is holiness that comes from the inside as a matter of repentance, of deep surrender and commitment to Christ and a, a surrender of their life, a submission of their life to him. Yeah, and, and I think, Frank, I can add to that, that I, I think you'd agree, right, that holiness is really the fruit of all the repentance, the prayer, and coming into Christ, because then he makes us holy, and you can't help but walk in holiness, yes. because his Holy Spirit is working. So, yeah, thank you for that, because that's right. I think about the marks of historical revivals, and and, and, right. and all of a sudden, corruption 
is less and, and gone even times. Yeah. Well, and we, we need to run to a break real quick. We got prayer, we got repentance, we got holiness. And before we get to the fourth thing, let's run to a break and then we'll pick up when we come back. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. At Risk Radio. Lost Story Cinema presents a new feature film, the story of Frank Higgins, the lumberjack sky pilot. More than any class that's lived in our land, these lumberjacks can truthfully say, no man cared for my soul. The church has forgotten the prodigal while caring for the souls of the saved. 30,000 men? Men to whom God is dead, and Sunday is the harvest day of iniquity and the saloons and brothels. But you were there, willing. Willing, yes, but but not ordained, you see. The Duluth Presbytery is not going to ordain an uncouth lad who hasn't even finished the sixth grade. Ever since I was a young lad in Canada, I've wanted to pilot men to the skies. Aren't you the lumberjack sky pilot? I am. My brother heard you preaching. He said you're a fellow who never leave a lumberjack down. I'm too low and vile for even God to do anything with God brought me all this way to find you. Based on the true story of an ordinary man who would become a giant. The Parish of the Pines, coming soon. For more information about this film and to learn about a movie premiere near you, go to theparishofthepinesmovie.com. Theparishofthepinesmovie.com. Welcome back to At Risk Radio. I'm online with David Witt. David Witt is the CEO of SOM International. Also online with Frank Parrish. He's the director of World Map. And we were talking about the marks of revival, David. We're talking about how prayer, repentance, and holiness are the first three marks of revival. We're seeing those things happen in India. There's a fourth one. So, uh, David, you want to comment on that before we go back? No, to the- I'm a, uh, Frank, I'm on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Uh, why don't you take over? What's the, let's talk about the fourth thing. The fourth thing that, that you see in historic revivals is the practical lifestyle. Mm. In other words, what is the result of this visitation of God that comes mm. in response to prayer and repentance and people giving themselves to the work of the Holy Spirit within making them holy and the fruits of the Holy Spirit becoming real in their lives? As a as a practical outworking of that, you see this lifestyle that gets changed. It's not, you know, go to church and I believe in Jesus and everything's wonderful. And then I go about the rest of my life. No, their whole life begins to change. And I think it, it manifests itself in some critical areas. Number one, they aren't just believers. Believers become disciples. Not every believer is a disciple, but Jesus when, when he said, go into all the world and make disciples, part of the Greek language there, the command is on make disciples. Seems like too many of us in leadership are concerned about making converts, but not about making disciples. Yeah. Quite honestly, God, according to John 1, is the only one who can make a convert. He's the only one who gives birth to a convert. You read the first several verses of John 1, you can see that very, very clearly. But he gives to us the responsibility of making disciples. And so as a part of revival, you see people moving from being a believer into becoming a real functioning disciple. And so that that functioning disciple uh, is not only a person who's deeply committed uh, to the Lord personally and to live a life of holiness and a life of prayer, Mm -hmm. but also to live a life of a consistent, constant evangelism, where they are constantly reaching out to others to draw others to Christ. 
we're not charged uh, as disciples or as leaders to win anyone to Christ. We are charged to present the gospel. And if we will do it effectively under the power and leading of the Holy Spirit, people will hear. Uh, I was not raised as a Christian. I was raised as a very committed worldling with a lot of the world's problems in my life. And I probably was witness to over a hundred times before I finally paid attention to what I was hearing. And that was part of what brought me to Christ. So I would encourage people as they think about following Christ or moving in, in what we would consider to be revival, that we be people who are constantly looking for every opportunity, praying for every opportunity. How can I share Amen. my faith with Amen. another person? And it's as simple as just saying to another person, here's what Jesus has done for me. It's just that simple. And we let God do the convicting. We let God do the convincing. We don't have to argue or anything else. So that's all a part of the practical lifestyle that comes out of revival. Well, Frank, you know, we're kindred hearted so much in all that you're saying, you know, specifically at that point of discipleship and just being, it's not our job to convert anyone. It's our job. And, and we, we preach as best all the time to be a witness, to be a faithful witness, be faithful unto death to receive that crown of life. And, I, I go on to say, I hope I never convert anybody, because if I convert them, they're going to look like me. But if God converts them, they'll look like God. <laughs> you know, that's a lot better. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, and, that's right. You know, and there's another conviction I've looked at revivals too, Frank, that I'd like you to comment on. And that is, I preach all the time that it centered on revival is God's word too. Um, in that place, that, because yeah. I always say, when people get to God's word and, and are hungry for God's word, it, it prepares the soil for revival. And when there's revival, people are hungry for God's word. So either way, it's, a, you know, revival is key for God's word. What would you, you yeah. know, what do you think about that statement or, or that thought and where God's word is in revival? Yeah. And thank you for bringing that up, David. In, in looking at revivals, really the first step in any kind of revival that brings people to repentance is a clear preaching of the word. And if the word is not being clearly preached, and we're not, I'll just say this, we're not preaching the parts that are nice. We're not preaching the parts that are mean. We're preaching the whole counsel of God, just like Paul told the Ephesian elders. I have not held back the full counsel of God. And so the preaching of the word is critical, and that brings conviction. The Holy Spirit, it's like having a, an odd illustration, but it's like having a pile of firewood. And the pile of firewood is good firewood, and it's great, and it's it would burn, and it's effective, but there's no fire. So the firewood's no good without the fire, but you can't have fire without fuel. So really, it is the Word and the Holy Spirit, Amen. the firewood and the fire, working together in tandem that brings that conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come that reveals the love of Christ. And that's what brings people to repentance, and then the rest of it unfolds. Now, there is a, another part to all of this, and, and we're talking specifically about the Indian church. And I noticed in the when I was exposed to what's happening there in India, there are really four stages to bringing the gospel uh, transnationally or effectively in your area. And if we have time, I'd like to share those four steps with you because I saw it very clearly happening with the uh, church planner school and the ministry there of Spirit of Martyrdom. 
Yeah, can you name those off real quick? And I, then I have one other comment in, to qu- try to squeeze in here. So to, why don't you just name those off sure. real quick, and then I want, one more, I want to squeeze in one more question. Okay. And it's really, it's, it's four steps is what happens. Number one, you make disciples. And that's what you do first. I mean, when you're preaching the word, you're ministering, you make disciples. Mm-hmm. And from, number two is from the body of disciples, you allow the Holy Spirit to help you recognize and see who he wants to raise up to be leaders. So those leaders then, out of your body of disciples, those leaders, you are then equipping them and helping them to go out. Mm -hmm. So when they go out, what do they do? Well, they preach the gospel, they plant churches, they make disciples, producing more leaders whom the Holy Spirit appoints. So you you then send them out. So you now work through your, into your third step where you're now going from a single church, let's say, for instance, a single church where you've got a single pastor who makes disciples. He's now sent out leaders who've planted more churches. They're making disciples who then send out more disciples to go out and plant churches. So that gives rise to church multiplication, which ultimately, if you continue to follow that pattern, gives rise to a national church movement. Then eventually, that national church movement can become a transnational multiplication where because the the final and ultimate step of church growth is sending out disciples going cross culturally into other places to bring the gospel that really is the ultimate goal should be the ultimate goal of every single church or every denomination or every church group so eventually that's the fourth step where you're going from a national movement to a cross cultural movement sending out more disciples to bring the gospel to other people who have not heard of Christ. Well, Frank, that's why I want to encourage our listening audience to get in contact with you guys because you can see how much uh, Frank has just a wealth of insight and information and teaching. And I appreciate that, Frank. It's just really wonderful that you bring up at the, in the very last couple of minutes here. So, Frank, I see, and or I'm just wondering what you see on this the connection between revival and persecution. Do you do you see a connection there, or what? What comes your your thoughts um, when you think about when revival happens and connected to persecution? Because we've been talking about that in India. Well, I have to say, sadly, uh, but yet it is simply true. Wherever God moves, hell will oppose yeah. it, and so will fallen human flesh. They're going to oppose the lordship of Jesus Christ in people's lives or in a nation, in a government, in any kind of system. So wherever God is going to move in great power, you're going to see resistance against that moving. However, when you look again at church history, and I'm talking from basically Acts chapter one all the way to today, you see revival happening in in small ways and in large ways. Always there is persecution and it's easy to say when you're not being persecuted, but Tertullian, one of the church early church fathers, said that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Yeah. And where and I have I have seen it over and over again, um, David. I know you have too in a modern uh, setting, that wherever the church is persecuted, it's uh, you know he who sits in heavens laughs mm. Psalm two, and basically where you see persecution you see God pour out more of his spirit and more Amen. people are being drawn right. to the kingdom of mm. God. And it's like God's going, oh, yeah, 
devil, you think you're going to push back? I'm going to show you that I'm, I've already won. And it's just a matter of picking up all the fruit that is yet to be brought up. Frank, yeah, I appreciate you so much bringing that up. We did not get to this conversation. We had many wonderful conversations in India, and I realized, wow, we didn't even talk about the connection. And it's not a surprise to me that both of us are totally unified on that. I saw that pattern years ago in Acts, where there would be revivals in these cities as Paul moves around, and many were coming to Christ, and immediately they're persecuted, and that forced mm-hmm. out the church. We have saw that through history. I mean, you know, the, the, Re- Re- the Reformation, one of the greatest— uh, um, you know, revivals in history was, uh, you know, the, that's what even started America. The pilgrims and everybody fleeing to America, uh, the persecuted church. We're seeing that today as the, the gospel's growing through uh, even in Latin America, in North Africa, in Asia. The, the revivals have persecutions increasing. And I think as leaders, as we end here, Mark, we to make the point mm-hmm. as leaders to church at risk, as we're praying for revival, we need to be realistic about that. We need as disciples to count the cost. And we can even have joy in knowing that the persecution simply is a gauge saying that God's Spirit is moving and working and the, and the gates of hell are not happy about that. And, and we can praise God that God is bringing his spirit and invading darkness. And and so I want, you know, I hope our listening audience is encouraged to realize as they hear persecution reports, it is difficult, it is hard, but there's also a rejoicing side. God is expanding his church. Uh, you, you got it. Frank, thank you for being here today. Uh, we want to encourage you as a listener to step out and becoming a better leader in the kingdom of God. At Risk Radio invites you to get involved with those who risk much for Jesus and the first step in that process is by signing up for our newsletter. Our full color newsletter comes out every month and it features stories from those who are serving on the front lines in the most restricted areas in the world for the gospel, including India. You can sign up for that at atriskradio.com. Frank, we want to connect our listeners to you. I took a look at your website. Tell us a little bit about how people can get in contact with you and the good work you're doing over there at World Map. Thank you, Mark. They can contact us through our website at world-map.com, or they can call our offices if they wish at area code 928-515-2404, and we would love to hear from them. And we would encourage them, follow Jesus. In these days, follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the other thing we want to highlight, David, you wrote a book about uh, what's happening in India, the revival that's happening there. You can pick up that book, God's Global Grace Movement, at the SOM Bookstore. That's at SOMBookstore.com. That's available for a donation. So make a donation to the ministry, and we'll send you that book Again, SOMBookstore.com. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, my name is Mark Stafford, and this has been At Risk Radio. You've been listening to At Risk Radio. For more, go to AtRiskRadio.com. At Risk Radio is a production of SOM International.